Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Community is a Middle Name podcast, proudly presented by Grampians Community Health. My name is Gareth Olver. Thanks for joining me this week. Got a fantastic show coming up for you guys. I'm talking with a person named Carolyn Crawford. Now, Carolyn has a lived experience of gambling addiction, and it's one hell of a story, and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Carolyn shares her experience with having a gambling addiction and where it led. I'm not going to get too far into it right now. I'm going to let Carolyn explain it as we get into the show. Before we do get into it, though, I would just like to thank Shelley at Vanuel Community Health's Respin program for getting me in touch with Carolyn. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And also, there will be some discussion about suicide in this episode. So if you are uh, troubled by this, or if you do feel like you need some help with that, uh, contact Lifeline 13 11 14. That's 13, 11, 14. With, uh, without further ado, with Gambler's Harm Awareness Week kicking off this weekend, here's Carolyn Crawford with her story, her lived experience with gambling addiction on the Community's Amino Name podcast, proudly presented by Grampians Community Health. I'm here with Carolyn Crawford. Carolyn, thank you very much for joining me this week. Uh, thank you, Gareth. Carolyn, I won't go too too much into your story. I'll let you tell it. It's a fascinating story. I was just saying before we started recording, I, I read your article you did for the ABC on their website. Now, you had a pretty nasty gambling issue a few years ago. Can you give us a bit of background about where that all started? Oh, well, look, where that started, Gareth, was some... Um... I haven't had the greatest of life. Um, Mum passed when I was 18, two failed marriages. And then I met a boss, started a new job after my children left home um, with their partners, and um, I fell in love with the boss. He didn't fall in love with me, which that's his loss. He introduced me to the pokies. He, I used to only go ever on one of these bus trips up past the border, you know, play the old one-armed bandits if but for those listeners that might be able to remember those, you might you might be too young to remember the one-armed bandits. Oh, I saw yeah. them when I was in Las Vegas, those the, the slot machine ones, yeah. Yeah, pull the handle. And he introduced me to the new form of them. And so every time he asked me out, because I had nowhere else to go, the kids weren't at home, I had no rush to go home to, so I'd go out to the pokies with him and start playing. So it wasn't something you, you'd done from a young age, was it? You were, I don't mean to be, to be rude, but you were you know, a bit older when you started getting into the pokies? Yeah, I was in um, probably my mid-50s when I started getting into the pokies. Um, I'm now 69, going on 70 shortly. Yeah, so I was in my late 50s by the time I was going more often than just a pokies trip. Like they were here in 1992, they started in Victoria, and and I really didn't start going to them until oh, years later. So it was, was your boss who sort of got, got you into it? Was, it? was it a big company you worked for, or was it just you and him, or...? No, it was just, um, it was a small company in, as such. We had 10 employees working for us. Um, I ran the office and he was in the office with me. And then we had our um, our workers, which I handled everything. I ran the office for 13 years on my own. 
And was was that a whole whole staff thing that you go to the pokies, or would he just say to you, "Come on, Carolyn, let's go down to the local wherever and and chuck a few dollars through"? Yeah, look, he he was a person that um, had numerous girlfriends, and he's older than me, two years older than me. Numerous girlfriends through the times that I knew him. Um, if he didn't have a girlfriend's place to go to, he'd ask me out, and like I said, because I had nothing else to do, I would go with him just for something to do. And in the beginning, I kept control of my money. I, you know, I always made pay my bills, pay my rent. Had enough money just for food and emergencies. Had a little bit in the bank. Always kept control. It went on for quite a few years like that. And then um, one weekend he asked me why for a weekend with our accountants uh, to celebrate one of the accountants' birthdays because we became good friends over 13 years. And um, I didn't have enough money to go away. So I borrowed from the company with full intentions of putting it back after the weekend. I was going to have that real big win. Yeah, the, uh, the the big fish that's always hanging there that people are chasing. You um you borrowed, in your words, borrowed some money from the company, full intentions of paying it back. I'm, I'm assuming the big win didn't come that weekend. No, the big win didn't come that weekend and then I had to chase the money to get it back. So I had to borrow some more and chase it some more and hope for the big win. And after a while, it just got to the stage where... I was chasing the money more often than what I was, well, I was definitely not winning. I might have a, a win here and there, but they would all just go back down the pokies chasing that big one so I can pay the money back. So you had that, and we all know that we know that pokies are designed to release dopamine into our brains to, to give us mm-hmm. that, that kick to make us want to want to go back. At what point did you sort of think, I, or what point did you get to the stage where you couldn't go without going to the pokies? I reckon it took about 12 months to the point where I couldn't stop going. It wasn't a case then of wanting to be with him and it wasn't a case then of I, I can stop borrowing this money, um, I can just use my own money. I had to go. I woke up in the morning wondering where I was going to go that afternoon after work. Wow. Every day of the week. And they'd be in your brain, you'd be trying to sleep and all you can hear is the pokies. I always used to call myself a bloody idiot, you're a fool, you're an intelligent woman, why can't you stop? You need to just stop this, this is rubbish. I took this money over seven years, bear in mind. No, it wasn't just a short term. Seven years I kept taking money and chasing the money and feeding it down to the pokies. How much, if you don't mind asking, you don't have to answer this, how, how much was it that you ended up taking from the company over that seven-year period? It was for over $400,000. And how much of that did you end up actually seeing yourself or did it all just go straight back into machines? Every cent of it, including probably most all my wage other than what I needed as well. I had and, nothing. And were you ever talked to by the people at, at the venues? Did they ever try and dissuade you? Did they, they know you were your regular or, or were they, and, and I'll go back to, to some of my experience here working uh, as a, we spoke before we before we started, uh, as a teenager, I worked in a um, in a venue with pokies, and my experience working there was one of the things we had to do was go around and offer people complimentary tea, and coffee, and complimentary biscuits, and things like that to keep them in the venue. Uh, was that a thing that was happening when you used to go? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The ven- and the venue workers got to know me well. They come up and say, "Oh, how's the family?" And you know, I, I even got to know one that I had. I've got an autistic grandson and. Um, she had a son that's similar to mine and uh, my grandson and we didn't even talk about that. I mean, you get to know them. And like complimentary, yeah, I'd look at my, I had various cards, various <laughs> incentive cards, shall we say, or come and have a free meal 
free meal turns out to two hundred dollars worth. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't spend that on a hamburger nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's for free, is it? No, nothing, nothing at all. Once, and, and I never called myself addicted until I actually um, went to actual. I actually went to prison because of my gambling, as you know from my story. Um, I was sixty-four when I went to prison because of gambling and stealing the money. And I didn't even realise I was addicted until I was in prison and I had a good counsellor who explained it all to me. Took me all through the, the dopamine situation and that it's just like drugs and alcohol. You might as well have a hit of cocaine um, playing the pokies because that's exactly what it does to you. You cannot stop. Once you're addicted, you cannot stop without help. So, Carolyn, I just want to double back. You said, said you spent time in prison. Can we just go back to what happened? How did you eventually get caught or or did you confess or or what what was the, the situation that led to you ending up getting you know arrested going to prison and we know that the pokies obviously played a, a massive part because that's where the money was going but what what happened in the end that, that was sort of the last straw the company was becoming bigger and bigger and we had some huge contracts um huge contracts and won a lot of tenders and things like that so we were getting busier and busier so the daughter-in-law of the boss started working part-time with us and she started doing like all the admin like myself in the bank banks and things like that and she picked up that there was a false bank payment there that was to her um, because in the, the computer it said a certain company but then she realised that that money actually went into my bank account um, under a funny name uh, and that's how I was doing it. It was always bank transfers under sort of either the boss's name or my name, but actually landed in my bank account. Um, and she picked up on that and brought it to the attention of the boss. And um, then they put it in the hands of the police and they traced it back. And I didn't even realise how long I'd been doing it. When the police asked me, I would have thought I'd taken about 100000 and only over a couple of years. Okay, so that's how far down that rabbit hole that you, you had ended up going. It's that you, You'd run out, you had no idea how much exactly you'd... You know, had been taken. No idea how much. No, no idea how much. No idea how long. I'd basically I'd lost those seven years of my life. And then but, you were sixty-four when you ended up going to prison. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Can you just give us a uh, just a bit of your state of mind around then? I mean, sixty-four years old. Before you started playing the pokies, you said uh, off air never had a had a, even so much as a parking ticket. And here you are at 64, you know, with, with grandkids going to prison. That must have just been horrendous for you. Oh, it was, it was shocking. Look, I lost my, I lost my job in um, the August of 2015. Um, I got charged in early October of 2015 by the police. My father passed at the end of that October, so I was going through that as well. And then in 2016, the final court case happened in the April. And um, I was sentenced 18 months. It was horrendous. I'm one of the lucky ones. Excuse me. No, that's fine. We'll take time if you want, Carolyn. I'm one of the lucky ones. My children and my family stuck by me. They have stuck by me through all this. And my best friend from school days has stuck by me through, through all this. They understand that. As my children said to me once, Mum, you've made a mistake. It's a bloody big one, but it's a mistake. You know, you, you also said that loneliness was a big part of your, your, gam, your gambling addiction, addiction that, you, that you had. But I guess 
on the flip side of that is that still having your family support while you're in prison must have been a huge boon for you. It was. Look, I went up to the prison farm in Tarangara, which is up at near Molden in, in Victoria. So I was lucky enough to go up to the farm, as I call it, because um, I don't know how I would have coped behind the four walls of Deer Park. Um, so I was lucky enough to be up there, but I met numerous other women up there with the same addiction as myself, and a lot of them have been in prison for a long time for taking millions to gamble. One lady I met had taken four million solely and wholly to gamble on the internet. Wow. You know, so she'd been in there for quite a few years. So you then realise, prior to going to prison, I thought I was the only bloody fool. Turns out you're not the only fool. A lot of people out there with this same addiction and don't realise it's an addiction, just think they're, you know, the shame and stigma and being a fool and why can't you stop and all those words you say to yourself, I can stop this. Well, you can't. You can't. Yeah, like I said, I met numerous people and I sadly I met people that families had disowned them. But again, that's a case of the families didn't quite didn't understand the addiction. I was lucky my family stuck by me regardless. And I think a lot of the times if other families understood that it's not you're not you, you're not yourself when you're in this addiction. Time means nothing. Life means nothing. Many times, many, many times. I could have drove, driven my car into a tree for what I was doing. I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't stop. I knew it was wrong because I'm not stupid. No, and that's the thing. I mean, addiction doesn't discriminate, does it? It doesn't um, be gambling addiction, being a drug and alcohol addiction. It just it doesn't discriminate. Once once you're in the the claws or the clutches of these addictions, it's extremely hard for people to prize their way out. As you know from personal experience, you did mention though that one of the good things about being in prison. And this that's that's a bit of a weird sounding sentence, but one of the good things about about when you your time in, in jail was you actually got a, a really good counsellor and that person really helped you come to grips with, with the problem that you had. Yeah, look I know it sounds funny saying the best thing because a part of um I do a lot of speaking engagements and things and the best thing I say is the best thing that happened to me was going to prison. Because if I hadn't got caught and I hadn't gone to prison, prison, yeah, I could have avoided that. But if I hadn't got caught, I wouldn't have had the counselling I needed and I wouldn't have stopped gambling. And I know that because I wouldn't have got through the addiction. I wouldn't have realised that I was even addicted. I would have just kept calling myself a silly idiot. I, I never now, I used to blame myself. I don't now blame myself anymore. I refuse to blame myself for what I did. I'm not proud of what I did. I'm very proud of where I am now and what I'm doing now to try and help others. But I never blame myself now because I know the predatory nature of this industry. I know how they set these machines up. Yeah, and it's been proven and there's a movie that shows it called Kachin. If anybody ever wants to see what they do, the movie Kachin, K-A-C-H-I-N-G, shows you how they set these up and shows you how the industry even hires psychologists that know about addiction to help them set the machines up. Now, if that's not predatory, what is? Well, I've got no <laughs> words for that. It's just, ah, <laughs> uh, that's really unscrupulous. This is the thing that people don't realise, Gareth, is that 
and that's why um, there's a saying, you know, respond, um, gamble responsibly. What a lot of crap that is. You cannot gamble responsible when the industry has set it up so that you become addicted. So whose responsibility is it? Yeah, we were talking, uh, a bit, as I said, off air before about the um, the prevalence of, of sports gambling with the, you know, the NRL grand final was on, on the weekend and the AFL grand final the week before and the amount of ads for sports betting that I saw while watching both of those games was incredible. And they'd always mumble at the end, gamble responsibly. But then you see ads saying, you know, oh, you know, you can bet bet up to 50 bucks on us or cash out at any time or your guys and first goal scorer will give you $20 back. That's all, they're all hooks, aren't they, to get people really addicted to that, that gambling. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and as far as I'm concerned, there shouldn't be any ads on the TV. My ideal world is to take all the poking machines in Australia, put them out in the middle of the ocean and blow the bloody things up. That's my ideal world. It's not mm. going to happen, and I know that. As far as the ads on the TV are concerned, they're absolutely disgusting. Like, bet with mates. You see mates, there's an ad on at the moment where they're walking up a mountain and they're looking at beautiful scenery and then all of a sudden they all turn around and you think they're going to take a selfie and they're actually watching a horse race. What's this world coming to? Yeah, and children, children as young as nine can tell you the odds on the game. That it's just so bad. And I've got six grandkids, like I said. I don't think they would ever gamble because of what I've been through and they know what I've been through. And I talk to them about it so that they don't get hooked like me. But I feel for all the other families because they're on every game. I played, I played a kid's game the other day. I put up this little Alice in Wonderland game on my computer. I thought it's a finder game, you know, find this, find that, find this, find that. It's a lot of fun, right? But every time you get to a different level, what pops up? A poking machine. A poking machine on a kid's, in a kid's game through Microsoft. Now, that is just disgusting. And the same with YouTube videos as well. I I think lots of ads on YouTube videos now, fair enough. YouTube is a company that's there to make money. I think I would lose count of how many times I've seen, I'm not going to mention the companies by name, but one particular sports betting agency in Australia who do that really blokey bet with your mates sort of stuff that you were talking about earlier. And you see that even like my kids are watching, you know, clips of, of kids stuff on, on YouTube, like Disney songs from the mo- Disney movies and things like that. that. That's the stuff that's getting into the, around the kids. And I'm sure that, that you might agree with me on this, Carolyn, I might get you to expand on it in a second, but I think, uh, and, and you do this with your grandkids clearly, but educating kids from a really young age is so important with stuff like this, isn't it? Oh, look, definitely. The industry is set up now that they're working on age groups from four years upwards to get them addicted to the fact that they can gamble. Now, that's what the industry is doing, you know. And and honestly, I'm disgusted by the industry now that I know all about it. And I do know all about it because I have spent so much time studying this since I went to prison studying it in prison with my counsellor and others that we spoke about in prison and spoke to. And I spent 18 months in there, so it wasn't a short amount of time. And and like I said, it was up in the country, so I only saw my family short times because it's like a three-hour drive for them each way. I didn't expect to see them, and I told them that. Spoke to them every week on the phone. But they now understand what happened to me. My grandkids know, even my my grandkid one of them was two years old when I went to prison and they borrowed my car 
to keep it going whilst I was in prison. And he turned around and my son one day when he was put in the car, we've got Nanny's car because she's in jail. Now, that's that's a two-year-old. If they can understand that, they can understand these games. And, and kids... Um... Kids can be pretty blunt at the best of times at that age. I've got young kids, as you know, <laughs> Carolyn, and trust me, I, I hear some pretty blunt things from them. So. But that's what I'm saying. Kids are so vulnerable and they, they t- absorb so much. Like if a two-year-old can absorb that his grandmother's in prison, they can absorb these games because that's the way they're set up to do it. I'm horrified by the ads. Mm. These ads on the TV, they saturate this, the airways and it needs to end. Yeah, they did that with um, cigarette advertising, didn't they? Yes, yeah. yeah. And I don't know, yeah. you might edit this out, I'm not sure, but there, if your listeners are interested, there is a campaign going to end gambling ads on, on the TV. It's called Hashtag End Gambling Ads, and it's through the Alliance for Gambling Reform, and we're after signatures and everything else. We're targeting the SBS to start off with to try and, Figure if we can get it off like that sort of TV, we can get it off things sort of head towards commercial TV because they're saturated on every station, to every free TV. Free TV, yeah, right. Yeah. Get addicted yeah. to the ads and then start gambling. It isn't free anymore. Yeah, and, and like I said as well, it's right across the internet too and how many kids are, are watching YouTube videos across the world really as we mm. as we speak. It's, it's, it's scary stuff really is. Yeah. Victoria is one of the worst as far as um, per capita in the world. Well, what we might do, Carolyn, we might take a very short break and then we might get into some stats the other side of the break. We'll be back very, very shortly with uh, some more of Carolyn's incredible story. The Community is Our Middle Name podcast is proudly presented by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western Victoria, servicing the local government areas of the Northern Grampians Shire, Arrant Rural City Council, Horsham Rural City Council, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire and Yarriambiak Shire. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged and disability support including NDIS support coordination and plan management, Counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, homelessness support, gambler's help, community mental health, and much, much more. For more information, visit our website, gch.org.au, or contact us, 5358-7400. That's 5358-7400, Monday to Friday, business hours. We also have offices situated in Horsham, Stall, and Ararat. Grampians Community Health. Proud to present the Community as a Middle Name podcast. And don't forget that Grandpa's Community Health is here for you, your family, and our community. Welcome back. I'm here with Carolyn Crawford, and Carolyn has been telling me all about her story, her journey through gambling addiction and where it ended up taking her. And Carolyn, now you do quite a bit of work uh, advocating for people with gambling addictions and trying to educate people about gambling. We talked about it a little bit before the break. Do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the work that you've been doing since getting out of prison? 
Yeah, look, when I was in prison, I met a lady called Carolyn Hirsch. Now, Carolyn Hirsch was a um, minister in the government when the pokies were introduced. She works with, she worked with Joan Kerner to bring them into the country, into Victoria, back in 1992. Sadly, Carolyn's, um, and there's a, she has a book out, so I can speak about this because she has a book out that you can actually look at and read, she, her daughter passed away. She committed suicide, sadly, and Carolyn found her. And then Carolyn became addicted to the pokies and lost everything. And she was a member of parliament. Mm. She lost everything because of pokies. So it affects anybody. Now, I met her in prison when we watched the movie Kaching. She introduced me then to Respin, which is a speaking organisation. So I do speeches through Respin with different places, whatever they've got me booked in to do, tell my story, answer questions, and I always answer questions, every question I can. There's a couple of questions that are often it's with me, but normally most questions I'll answer. I also work with the Alliance for Gambling Reform in the spin-off called Voices for Gambling Reform, which we are all, the people in the Alliance are or just people, the normal workers, and care about the battle we have. Tim Costello is um, our head mom person with that. And I'm in the voices because I'm a lived experience person. And our voices count. And there's numerous people in it. Our voices count because we do know about it. We know about this industry. We know what we can do. So I, I work with them and I do various spreadsheets for them. Um, I've just finished a spreadsheet that shows the opening hours throughout Victoria, um, which in certain areas, and there's a few areas across Victoria that are open 20, 24 hours a day if you venue hop. A venue can only ever be open 20 hours a day. That's per their licence. But in certain areas, they work it out that you can go from one venue to another, to another, to another, and you can play for 20, or you can gamble, sorry, for 24 hours a day. Um, now, that's just wrong. That should stop. And that's a campaign we're working on through the Alliance to try and cut the hours down. That's our main campaign at the present moment, apart from the in-gambling ads. I also perform my story with a group called Three Sides of the Coin. Now, they're a group of lived experience people like myself, where we, with our help of our producer, Carolyn, uh, Catherine Simmons, who is an OAM through Theatre Theatre, she helps us produce our stories, our own stories in performance space. So we go out and we talk about our stories, we perform our stories, like I, I perform how I got addicted, I perform you know, about my children, um, about my family. The viewers can't see this, but you can see my dolls behind me here, Gareth. They're yep. in part of my story now because I only ever done my story on Zoom um, because I only started with the group a couple of years back. So we do that as, as well. And that, that really is quite um, impactful because we are the people that have been hurt by gambling. And we have two people in it. It's not just the gambler. We have two people in our group that are um, that are affected others, which are people that have got, well, both of those with their husbands were the gamblers. But I know numerous people now that have been affected by gambling. Like my family, I never even thought about the effect of other until I met these two ladies when I come out of prison. I never even thought about the effects I had on my children and my family and my extended friends. The effects of me going to prison was enormous. There's that stigma, isn't there, I guess, that, that not only goes, stays with you, but then also the family or your friends would also sort of have that stigma. Oh, that's, you know, that's, that's 
Carolyn's son, she went to jail for for this. So yeah, you're, you're right. That 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 does stick around. It does stick around. I don't do anything, and I'm one of these people that like I am myself, and I do everything that I want to do mostly. But I always, out of respect for my children, I always say to my my children, "I am doing this. Are you okay with that?" They have never said no at all because they believe in the the cause and they believe that what I'm doing now is good for me. Like I get upset, yeah. I cry at every performance. But that's my life. My life hasn't been easy. And and the, my children were in court when I was sentenced. And what haunts me to this day, and I am having special therapy because of it, what haunts me to this day is the look on my children's faces when I was sentenced in, in the courts. The look on their faces, they were crying, I was crying. I was hysterical. They were hysterical. That haunts me. Can you imagine standing there behind a, 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 not a wall, it's like a barrier. You've got my two children and one of the wives, my best friend and my brother, all crying and I can't touch them. They can't touch me. Now, I was lucky I turned to the garden and he said, go for it, and he let us all cuddle. Normally they won't let you do that, but I think he knew that I wasn't a hardened criminal that I was going to pick up any drugs or anything like that, you know? Yeah. And that haunts me to this day. Like I said, I am having some special therapy to try and not get over that but cope with that better. Yeah, because there there would be no getting over something like that. I mean, just just hearing your story then, as the kids say, hit me in the feels. It's horrifying and and I I couldn't imagine being in that situation. I couldn't imagine my mother being in that situation. Yeah, People say to me, why do I do this when you get so upset and it brings up all your memories and things like this? I do this so that not one mother, father, child ends up where I did. It's so important people know you can get through this. Yeah, look, this is going to live with me for the rest of my life. So be it. If I can stop one person ending up in prison the way I did, then this is all worthwhile. Speaking to people, getting upset. And if I upset people, I hope to God they get out there and if they get upset by this and it's brought up anything, then they've got to go and get help. They have to get help. This has to stop. Yeah, I, I think stories like yours are very important, Carolyn, and I really, like I said earlier, I do really do appreciate you sharing it sharing it with us. It must be cathartic for you, though, just to go back to the work you're currently doing now. I mean, you said, yes, it makes you upset and it, it dredges up memories that, that are you know, far from pleasant. But it still must be cathartic for you to get your story out there and also to see that you're actually making a difference in other people's lives. Yeah, you made a mistake in your life and it was a, there's no getting around it. It was a big mistake. You own that. But then for you to go out there and say, look, this is my experience. I messed up. I, I don't want to see anyone else do that. that uh, have you seen any real success stories or have you, do you think you've gotten through to, to a lot of people doing the work you do now? Oh, I have got through to a lot of people. Um, I've done a lot of um, free slides and speaking engagements on Zoom um, over the last two years. I have never, ever seen a session that I've had that not one or two or three or even more people are crying. Now, to me, that shows it's getting through, definitely getting through. People think there's not been a lot of changes within the gambling industry. There has been. It's slow, very slow, but the more people we get on board, the better. I spoke at the Crown Royal Commission earlier this year, Crown Royal Commission, and the submissions for that are all coming out in October. 
Um, I got a letter from them the other day to say that they are going to put my story into the submission with the Tall Crown um, and goes to the government then, and we're hoping that that will make a big change. And a lot of other people spoke as well. I wasn't the only one. So they're the sort of things that I'm trying to do now. Well, I just believe that something has to happen with this industry. When we talk about the industry, what, what are we looking at across Victoria? Like, what are, Do you have the numbers there of, of what is going through machines, for example, or how much is getting spent you know, in, Look, in this state? Just, so in August 2021, totals, and bear in mind, bear in mind, this is only for five days. Across Victoria for 2021, five days, last our August just gone is sixty one million five hundred and seventy one thousand nine hundred and eighty five. That's incredible. Sixty one million over five days. That's unbelievable. That's over four hundred and eighty seven mach- no um, twenty six thousand machines, which is four hundred and eighty seven venues. In five days, when we've been spent most of this year in in various states of lockdown as well. In August, which is only five days the venues have been open across Victoria, $61.5 million. That is unbelievable. Which works out to $1,986,000 per day. Wow, that's that has. We're recording this over Zoom, and I think you probably saw my reaction, Carolyn. <laughs> That was that's unbelievable. I know that um, for for the local areas where where Grampians Community Health Services and I can go back to 2019-20 financial year. So in Ararat Rural City, over four million dollars was spent over that sort of financial year period, and only two venues in Ararat, or just under fifteen thousand dollars per day. And uh, Northern Grampians Shire, which encompasses Stall and Sananad, was over three million dollars for that. 12-month period or $11,300, give or take, per day. And Horsham uh, was over $7 million in that period, over $27,000 per day. And we also need to take into account as well, the Northern Grampian Shire and the Rural City Council are both top 10 areas for socioeconomic disadvantage in the state. So, and I don't mean to generalise and I don't want to stereotype it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably a lot of people who can't afford to be doing this, who are doing it because as you know all too well, once once you get you get caught in this in this cycle, it's extremely hard to get out. Well it's been proven that the most spend is in socio economic places. People with least amount of money will gamble more. And that's a known fact and the statistics show that. What do you think that no. is, Carolyn? Just look it's a lot to do with the fact that people are um that have got less money and so a lot more stressed. And stressed, let's go to the pokies and ease my mind. I'll put $20 in here and I'll have that big win. Mm. I'll win some money. Yeah. Wow, yeah. the machines are showing that you're winning some money. Yeah, you just won $2 but it cost you 4 But the machine will flash up like you've won money. You know, your dollar spend, you'll get back 90 cents. You've had a win, but it's cost you 10 cents. That's the way it works. It's... The machines will flash up and show you that you've had a win, yeah, but you've lost ten percent of your money straight away. Well, there's the lure of the big jackpots that a lot of the a lot of the places have. You know, that, that goes off every day. You know, at a random time, and you never know when it's going to go off. So you better be there just in case. And you got to, you oh know. yeah, I'm going to have that big win. Oh yeah, seven, yeah. Years, I, seven years I chased that big win. Yeah, and how often did you get that big win, Carolyn? 
had a couple of wins of over a couple of thousand, but guess what? They went back within the week. I could imagine those. And sometimes I'd be playing and I'd win over a thousand dollars. I think it was at, that's when I was playing. You had to get a check over a thousand dollars. Now I think it's too, they've upped it. Would you believe that you can get cash out under two thousand dollars now instead of a check? So you can sort of have that win of win of fifteen hundred dollars, and you can draw that out in cash. Will you? There's not one person I know that's been addicted to these machines like me that has come home with that money. I know I haven't. I've had wins of $1,500 and, and spent it all within the same venue on the same day. Yeah, and it was probably extremely easy to do that for you at the time as well. Chasing that big win, I'm going to have that bigger win. I'm going to have that bigger win. It's going to happen. Look at that jackpot. It's got to go off. It's due to go off. The machine's due to give me the free games. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go across to that one. That's got a bigger jackpot. It must go off soon. It's going to be mine. Come on, you know, well, like that's where my brain was then. Another thing I heard working in in a pokies venue when I was a teenager as well was this is the lucky machine. <laughs> so, you know, people would people would 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 wait for someone to get off the lucky machine, and then they would go and race into that spot. Then there is no lucky machine. I'm no, oh, sorry, there is. They're all lucky for the gambling companies. Oh yeah, definitely. There are, look, I know a lot about them now, and that's where this coaching movie comes into it. That teaches you what they are. They work on a spreadsheet, and it's a random spreadsheet. It's not like they're sitting there spinning the wheels in front of you so that you can get that game, and they'll set it up like that. It's random. It is very random, and. They only have to pay back a certain amount, but they they say they've got to pay back a certain amount per day. Yeah, but that's over twelve months, not per day. It's over twelve mm. months, so they might have to pay back eighty percent, but it's over twelve months. So if you sit at a machine all day every day for a whole year, yeah, you might come out in front by a dollar or two. You won't ever win. You won't ever completely come out in front. Big wins. Yeah. They will always put it back in because they'll think they can win bigger again. And when you think about that $60 million that you mentioned earlier over that just five-day period in August, you know, spread that out across a 12-month period, that's just, you know, there's a reason I failed maths uni. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't think of how big that number would be. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it, and, 2019, uh, in August 2019, Victoria spent $244. And a half million dollars, so seven point eight eight million dollars a day. Wow! Per day in August of nineteen two thousand nineteen. So that's two thousand nineteen. The five day period for August this year was sixty million. Yeah. So, so that's that's a considerable jump. So if it was seven seven million per ish per day in two thousand nineteen, you're looking at that same five day period around thirty five to forty million. Do you think that's because yeah. of the lockdown? People haven't been able to get out and go and do this, so they're, they're racing out as much as they possibly can? Look, we were hoping after the... Um, we had this sort of great idea after during the lockdown of last year that a lot of people have stopped gambling because it was quite a substantial amount of time, as you know, that the venues were shut. And a lot of people, a few people went online, not a considerable amount, but a few people went online. But the event, when they reopened... People just went crazy. It just skyrocketed and it's still skyrocketing. People are spending more per capita now than what they were in 2019 because they couldn't spend in 2020. Now, a lot of people stopped, a lot of people didn't stop, and the ones that didn't are spending more. But get out there, get it done, because you never know when we're going back into lockdown again. 
and they're, they're the people that you're really trying to get across to, aren't, aren't they? The, those sort of ones who uh, just have that itch that you know all too well to get out there and, and, and do and, and put money back in. Carol, how do you go nowadays when you, you drive past a pokey venue or if you go somewhere for dinner and, and they might have, you know, machines? Does the urge ever ever strike anymore or? No, not anymore. I I was lucky, like I said, with this cancer. When I came out of, during, whilst I was in prison, we started this thing called exposure therapy, which was in reintroducing me to the pokies. Now, a lot of listeners will probably sort of go poo-poo to this, what I'm going to say, but. He gave me, after I sort of learned all about this addiction and after I got through a lot of things in there, he showed me a picture of a pokey machine that I used to play. I was physically sick looking at it. What it caused in my brain was terrible. And I was physically sick. I couldn't touch it. I knew that piece of paper couldn't hurt me, so I couldn't touch that bit of paper. I knew I wasn't going to lose money by touching that bit of paper because I'm not stupid, but I still couldn't touch it. And it took a whole week of me having to have that in my room or my cell or whatever you want to call it because they're not really – prison's not what you see on, on prisoner on the TV. That's put it that way, where I was. So I had that in my room and after a week I was fine with it. But it took a good week of looking at it every day, three, four times a day. Then, then when I came out of prison, we did the exposure therapy by taking me to venues. Um, I travelled all the way because I live in Frankston. I used to travel all the way to Kitan to see this counsellor because that's where he was, you know, located. And he took me to venues. The first time I went to the venue and I heard the noise, I had to run to the toilet and be sick. It was horrible. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm not a dumb person. After about four or five times of doing this, I could walk in, I could sit down, I could have a cup of tea and sit and watch all these other silly buggers playing. felt like going up and tapping them on the shoulder, but that would be a little bit rude, to say the least. But I can now walk into a venue. I can actually sit in a gaming room now and not feel anything other than disdain. I hate them. They will never, ever get one more dollar from me, not one. And I will fight to the death to try and stop people playing them. This is so important. And I must add in, I have paid back all the money. I owe that company nothing. I paid it all back out of my super. And like I told you before, my father passed. So out of my inheritance and my super, I owe the company nothing. Carolyn, I think it's a good story that, you know, you, you, you spiralled, you went, you went down a really bad path, but... You've gotten yourself back on track, and like you said, you, you owned the company nothing. You paid it all back. You paid paid your debt to society, to use the, the term they use in a lot of those prison shows you were talking about. You've still got your family around you and, and, and friends, and you're doing good work. Me personally, been an absolute eye-opener to um, to sit down and have a chat with you about this and, and to hear your story. It's, and it's as you said earlier, it's not unique to you. And that's the sad part, isn't it? Yeah, look, it worked out, and I think they worked out a statistic in, in Adelaide that there was 80% of the women in a prison in Adelaide were gamblers, 80%. Wow. You know, and I, I know where I was there. At the time that I was in there, and it held 72 at full capacity at the farm, and there was about 54 there, and out of that 40 of us were gamblers. Now, that's, that's a horrible statistic. That's Yeah, it's an incredibly high number, isn't it? Yeah. I am, again, I'm one of the lucky ones with my family, but I'm also one of the lucky ones that I'm still alive. Like I said, many times I could have thrown my car into a tree. If I didn't have my family, I wouldn't be here now. I was so ashamed of myself 
I would not have been here now if it wasn't for my family. And that's not just saying, you know, to hang if I would have died. I would have died. I'd, I, if I didn't have my family, I would have had nothing to live for. And I've always swore that I would never hurt my family by taking my own life. But when I was in the grips of all that, I could have easily done it. Easily done it. And, that's, and the sad part about it is I know quite a few people that have because of gambling. And that's and it, a horrible statistic. Yeah, that is a shocking statistic. It's... um. And those numbers that you mentioned are just incredible. I've I've learned a hell of a lot doing this. Carolyn, is there any any messages you you'd like to get across before we before we wrap this up? Look, one of the main messages, and I know people. I hope this has really got through to people, and they do understand there is recovery after gambling. Definitely, you need help. Whether you go to, uh, I'm a firm believer in gambling's help, and I still have counselling now. The lockdown's knocked me around because it reminded me of prisons. I've got a gambler's health counsellor down here now in my area that I see on Zoom once a week. I recommend anybody that has an issue or think they might have an issue, contact Gambler's Help, Gambler's Anonymous Lifeline. There's a lot of places out there. Gambler's Help, I've got financial advisors as well that can help you. And honestly, everybody I speak to that has got help has survived and recovered and got through all this. And you can you can beat this disease, and it is a disease. It's an addiction, it's a disease, and it is horrible. And it can get to anybody at any age. And you're, you're living proof that it can be beaten, Carolyn. You got through the other side, and I'd like to just commend you for, the, for doing that, for turning your life around like that, because it must have been, as you talked about, it must have been such a horrible traumatic experience. So thank you very much for, for giving us some time. Uh, having a chat to us on this podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Gareth. What an incredible story that was. Thank you once again to Carolyn for coming on and sharing her story, her battle with her gambling addiction and where it led her in her life. And an amazing story. And I um, hope it's something that you've, you've able to take something out of because I took a lot away from that story. So look, thank you again, Carolyn. And thank you as well to um, the crew at Respin through Banyul Community Health who put Carolyn and I uh, in touch with one another so we could get this story out there on this podcast. So thank you again, to, to respin. I will also uh, put links to some of the organisations that Carolyn mentioned in the show notes. So respin, three sides of the coin, new lines for gambling reform. Thank you for joining me again. The Community is Our Middle Name podcast, of course, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast was recorded and produced, the Jabberwong people, and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. The intro and outro music is an original composition by Andrew Parsons, and we use that with his permission, and thank you again, Parso, for that. Uh, you can follow this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean, on Google Podcasts, anywhere basically you can get podcasts, and please like and subscribe and share it if you enjoyed. If you think it's a story that you'd like other people to hear, by all means, share it on your social media platform, share it with your friends, Tell your workmates, etc. You can follow Grandpa's Community Health, speaking of social media, on socials, uh, facebook.com slash Grandpa's Community Health, and on Instagram and Twitter at GCH Grampians. Check out our website, gch.org.au, for more information or contact us Monday to Friday, 5358 7400. 
business hours or visit us on site in uh, Horsham Stall and Ararat. My name is Gareth Oliver. I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I, I really love bringing this story to you. It was um, a real privilege for me. And I'll be back again very shortly. Another another podcast from Grampians Community Health and Community as our middle name. So long. <music>